Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright, and today we're going to look at the readings for the 19th Sunday after Pentecost. We're actually kind of winding down in Pentecost. We only have oh, a little over a month and a half left of Pentecost, and then we'll move into Advent, which will be exciting, and Christmas preparations, and all the fun that goes with them. So last week we had Jesus being challenged by the Pharisees, and it's the continuation of this. And Jesus is going to do what he normally does. He's going to tell a parable, which will then help explain and better understand our position, our place, our relationship with God and where we are. And there's a lot of stewardship overtones in this, along with discipleship overtones. And when we think about discipleship, it's more than just following Jesus. It is being a true student and then looking at the model that is set before us. That is Christ our Lord. And what does he do? And what has he set before us? And where are we to follow? And when we have this following aspect, this flows really well into stewardship and understanding who we are as stewards of God's creation, that which includes our body, our families, and all the material things that God has gifted us with, how are we using this for the life that God has given to us? How are we using this to His glory and to the joys of the life that He continues to sustain? And we need to remember that he is the owner, and we'll see this in the parable, and we are the stewards. We get to use what he gives to us for his benefit. And this doesn't mean that God now is dependent upon us, and if we don't do things, then he won't get food, money, whatever. The working for him is, this is part of our identity. We work to glorify God. We work to worship God. We work to participate in his life. And all of these things actually flow out of us and from us naturally. We do this simply because we're his children. We do this because we're a new creation in him. So he provides us with this new life, the life of redemption. What do we do? We follow him. We listen to him. We learn about him. We gladly hear, listen, inwardly digest sermons, scripture, and we worship. We are in relation with God. We do this because that is what we are. And this can't be overemphasized. And it would be like having a marriage. And then never saying to your wife or your husband that you love them. Yes, you're married, but then how do you show this? 
and it will be acts of love. It would be statements of love. It would promote and build and strengthen the relationship. God, who has been faithful to us, has given us all that we need. How do we respond? How do we participate in this relationship? And that is really a great and wondrous question. It is being his disciple. It is being good stewards. It is sacrificing. It is participating in God's life. And all of this leads into our gospel lesson. And this comes to us from St. Matthew, the 21st chapter. And so Jesus starts off, Hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it, built a tower and leased it to tenants, and went into another country. When the season for the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to get his fruit, to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servant and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. And he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. When the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. They took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When, therefore, the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They, the Pharisees, the chief priests, said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who have given him the fruits in their season. Jesus said to them, have you ever, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders reject has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in their eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people producing its fruit. And the one who falls on the stone will be broken into pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. And although they were seeking to arrest him, they feared the crowds because they heard, they held him to be a prophet. And so you got Jesus again being challenged, talking to the Pharisees, and he tells us parables. And the Pharisees are, are absolutely right. He's showing them who they are. They are the evil tenants. They are not being good disciples, and they're not being good stewards. They see that they have entered into agreement. They are to work the vineyard. They are to produce what has been given to them. But what do they do with this? They decide to take matters into their own hands. They decide to start acting like the owner. We will do what we want to do with this property, with this fruit. And so when the master says, give me what is mine, they kill the messengers. They stone the messengers. They beat the messengers. They do this several times. And the master sends his son his namesake, his, the one who will truly fully represent him as his representative, as his blood family. And he goes, and you hear them. 
we will kill him and we will get the inheritance. And I don't know under, I do not know or understand their reasoning. Why do they think if they just kill the son, then the, the master of the house, the father of the son will say, well, I don't have anybody to give the vineyard to. Why don't you take it? I don't understand this. But with that, I understand how I act when it comes to God's gifts and God's works in my life. I take them as my own, and I use them as I see fit, not giving credit, not giving praise or thanks to God, but thinking that I'm the one that earned it, I'm the one that did it, I'm the one that worked it. And so this is what the evil tenants are doing. They have taken matters into their own hands. So this is a first commandment issue. This is a second commandment issue. This is a third commandment issue. This is also a fifth and sixth commandment issue. And this is all about lying, murdering, coveting. So the ninth and tenth commandment, putting themselves before God, misusing the name of God, uh, not remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy in the sense that they are, again, putting themselves and trusting themselves in the gift which has laid before them. And we'll explain the third commandment a little bit more because that's more for us. But these evil tenants are laying the groundwork for all of what we do to misuse God's gifts. But again, we see, and we see this almost one-to-one correlation, the master of the vineyard is, of course, God. And he has given us creation, so we live in the vineyard. And he looks upon us and says, this is all yours. Work it, enjoy it, live in it, and do what needs to be do what needs to be done. And what do we do? We reap the benefits in self-serving ways. We look upon the vineyard and we look upon the work that we have done, and we do it for ourselves. We do this every time we sin, no matter what the sin is, because we're misusing our body, we're misusing our words, we're misusing the people in our lives, we're misusing the resources in our lives, the material things in our lives. We're not giving God credit for what he has given to us. And again, we are acting as if we are owner or we are are in control. And again, that's the first commandment. Who's in control? Who owns everything? And of course, that's God. And we see that God, the master of the vineyard, sends his prophets to the tenants, to us. And what do we do with the prophets? Yes, we listen to them. They give the message. But then in the Old Testament, you'll see time and time again, the prophets are stoned, they're killed, they're beaten, so on and so forth, because we don't like what we're being told, that God's in control, that God demands his due. And so he keeps sending us the messengers, the prophets, he continues to warn us. He continues to do what he promised to do, deliver his word for our benefit. And because we do not listen, because we continue to kill the prophets, he sends his son, 
They will listen to my son. They will listen to the one who bears my identity. And what do we do? We kill him. We kill the heir to the vineyard, thinking that if he is gone, that is our direct path to inheriting all of the vineyard, all of creation. And we see what happens. Now, for us, when the correlation is Christ, we know that Christ dies for our sins. He dies to actually redeem the evil tenants, the ones who haven't been listening, the ones who have beaten, stoned, and killed the prophets, the messengers. That is why the Son has been sent. But we hear that Jesus says, you know, asking the Pharisees, what is the master of the house going to do? He's going to kick out the tenants. They're unrepentive. They are the ones who, again, think that they know best. And Jesus says, yes, and you, Pharisees, are those tenants. And we got to think about this. And I don't know if you heard the last podcast, and even on a sermon that was preached on this text, I made the statement of my inner Pharisee. I know God's law. I know what he demands. And in my pharisaical knowledge, I think I'm completing it. I don't think I'm that bad. Oh, sure, I missed the mark a little bit. But God knows that I'm trying. God knows that I'm good at heart. And I'll just rely on my good righteousness. And God will let me in. God will see how hard I try and how close I get. And right there, I'm not trusting in his work. I'm not trusting in the work that Jesus has done, the fulfillment of the law, the fulfillment of all the things that I have failed to do. No, I'm trusting in my failedness. I'm trusting in my effort that still falls short of the glory of God. And that's exactly what the Pharisees have set up. And they do this because they feel—I'm sorry, they don't feel—they believe— that the law is the way to salvation, the way to righteousness. And that's what we want because it puts us in control. It puts us in the power position. We think we're sitting on the throne of our own heart, the rightful place of our creator, our redeemer, and our sanctifier, God. And so we see that we, when we rely on our own righteousness, our own work, we are being horrible disciples. We are being horrible stewards. And we're not following. We're not listening to God. And this is where Jesus talks about the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, the true foundation, and it will crush those who oppose that is what happens to us. That is what the law of God does. It crushes. But we're not left there. We are redeemed. We are built up. This is what baptism does. It gives us this new life, this new creation. St. Peter, unabashedly, by the divine inspiration, points to baptism and says, 
Baptism now saves you. This isn't just some outward sign. This isn't some work that we do. It is God rescuing you. It is God reaching into the depths of your death and pulling you out, crushing the old Adam and building the new Adam to live out in the life, in the relation of discipleship and the work of stewardship. So right there, this is justification, the work that Christ and God has done for you, and the sanctified life, the baptismal life that is now lived in you through the work of the Holy Spirit. We get the full promise and assurance that God said baptism now forgives, now saves, now provides life. He promises to do this. That's not found anywhere else. It's not even found in our works of righteousness, but only the works of God. And this is what this text reveals to us, that we get to trust his promises, that he is the one who has made us to be his disciples, has provided out of his mercy, out of his grace, out of his abundance, all that we need for this life so that we can live in peace and harmony with him, the true peace that passes all human understanding, which means that we get to see that we no longer have to fear wrath. We no longer have to fear damnation, hell, the separation of God, because Christ has bridged that gap. Christ has healed that relationship. Christ has killed the old Adam and brought to bear the new Adam, the one that is in the likeness of Christ, the one that rejoices in the gift of life. So when we hear this parable, let us take a hard and good look at ourselves. Are we being good disciples? Are we being good stewards? Are we really living in the faith that God has provided? Or are we going through the motions? Are we just saying the right things? Do we just make the assumption that we are, in fact, good people and we don't need all of God's work in the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Have we stopped our ears to be deaf to the prophet's call, the son's call, thinking that if we just do enough we will be inheritors of eternal life? Or are we going to turn away from this and repent and trust in the full promise of what has already been completed in Christ for life everlasting? Let us slough off our pharisaical ways and hold on to the true life of following God in Christ our Lord through the Holy Spirit. Provide, who has provided us with all we need for this life and the life to come. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. 
Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.